We're grateful for everyone who supports us. Thanks to all our sponsors. This is an ICRT podcast. Enjoy the show. We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your host, Gavin Phipps. And I'm joined in the studio this evening by Ross Feingold here in Taipei. Good evening. And by Michael Smith from Kaohsiung. Good evening. Tonight we'll be discussing comments about Taiwan by Elon Musk sparking an angry backlash. Taiwan's borders opening up to quarantine free arrivals for the first time since early 2020. Local election news from both the North and the South. And Taipei becoming the first city here in Taiwan to introduce regulations on public restroom cleanliness. But we'll begin with the Republic of China National Day this past Monday and President Tsai Ing-wen using her double 10-day address to touch on issues including cross-strait ties semiconductors, the coronavirus and the economy. Of course, before that, we had the parade, except it really wasn't a parade this year as the performance groups put on their displays in front of the presidential building before moving out of the way for the next group. Now, the Air Force's Thunder Tigers display team did a flyover, as did Army-operated Chinook helicopters carrying ROC flags. Now, the KMT held its own flag-raising ceremony, marking the ROC National Day at its party headquarters in Taipei, where former President Ma Ying-jeou accused the DPP of seeking to erase the ROC and he cited President Tsai Ing-wen's use of the term Taiwan National Day, saying that was a big no-no as far as he's concerned. The KMT also slammed Tsai Ing-wen's National Day address, accusing the government and the DPP of working to escalate cross-strait tensions. And the KMT criticised Tsai's comments on the coronavirus pandemic, accusing her administration of failing to disclose documents related to vaccine procurement and it also went on to describe the presidential office as a false information production centre. Now, KMT chairman Eric Jew accused the DPP of promoting a sense of impending national doom basically based on the DPP's own political interests, according to Jew, and he stressed that the KMT's proposed double-D strategy of defence and dialogue is more concrete than the DPP's defence policies. Now, the Taiwan State Building Party went a bit further than that, and they called on the government to establish what it called a true Taiwan National Day by scrapping all holidays that celebrate the Republic of China. Party Secretary General Wang Xinhuan accused successive governments of choosing to celebrate October 10 as the National Day to reinforce the Republic of China's colonial rule over the subjugated people of Taiwan. And he also said the government needs to erase and stop holding all double 10-day celebrations, while the Taiwan Republic Office, who held a protest near the presidential building, or as near as damn it as they could get on National Day, well, they basically said, well, there should be a, a referendum. They want a referendum to be held to decide when Taiwan people here in Taiwan would like to have a Taiwan National Day, because they'd said that people in Taiwan need to pick a date for where Taiwan has a special day. So, Ross, did you have a special national day? Uh, Just observing all this silliness is special enough for me, Gavin. Uh, Some of these issues have been uh, argued about, litigated in the public space uh, repeatedly, uh, as long as the president is from the DPP. So we had eight years of this uh, under President Chen, and now... 
six years of this uh, under President Tsai. Obviously, the TPP has a uncomfortable relationship with the history of the Republic of China. Everybody knows that, and it disappoints uh, some of their supporters or, or people who even uh, form their own parties to be uh, more enthusiastic about Taiwan independence or identity issues, like the State Building Party. So, from a from an intellectual perspective, the the position of the Taiwan State Building Party is 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 very honest, right? They're, they're basically reflecting the view of many people here in Taiwan who think that the Republic of China illegally occupied Taiwan after World War II, and, and the, the, they use the word colonial or colonial regime, and that it shouldn't be celebrated. And, and it's a matter of great disappointment to them that the, the government still grudgingly, to be fair to the government, but uh, they still participate in that. Uh, and frankly, it's a bit ridiculous that many of these DPP politicians who we know are pro-independence, uh, uh, who share the view that the ROC is a colonial regime, will we'll, we'll celebrate uh, anything on on October 10th. Uh, and if anyone in the audience needs the, the, the quick history refresher course. October 10th is celebrating the beginning of, of the Wuchang uprising in China, which led to the Xinhai Revolution that overthrew the Qing dynasty. It has very little to do with Taiwan, uh, certainly at the time. It had little to do with Taiwan, which was a Japanese colony. Now, there were a few people in Taiwan who went over to help out with the revolution, and there were people here in Taiwan who supported the revolution, but broadly speaking, it had little to do with Taiwan. Uh, so, it, again, the government is just very uncomfortable, so they kind of repackage it, and that, that leads to, to the anger by, as expressed by President Ma, uh, former President Ma, uh, that it's being packaged as Taiwan National Day. And it's not Taiwan National Day. It is the Republic of China National Day, and it's been so for many, many decades since the establishment of the Republic of China, and a day was selected eventually to memorialize, again, the, the start of the Wuchang Uprising. So to call it Taiwan National Day now, uh, I'll use the term I used earlier, is not intellectually honest. It's actually intellectually dishonest, uh, just like calling it the Taiwan flag or uh, the other ridiculous one I often hear is... It's Taiwan's birthday, oh. you know, which just makes no sense at all. So uh, the, the state building party is correct. Uh, in, in all these years of, of, of uh, whether President Chen's administration or President Tsai's administration, without junking the ROC entirely and all those red lines and risk of war, they could have just as easily legislated, uh, especially over the past six years with a legislative majority, could have just as legi easily legislated a, a, a Taiwan Day um, separate from RR Ba 228, which is memorializing something very specific, the, the uh, uprising and massacre that followed. Uh, so I don't think that would be the right day. But but a day can easily be selected as, as the Taiwan Day, And if you don't want to use the word national because that'll be too sensitive, then you don't have to use the word national. But a specific uh, event specific to Taiwan. I've got some dates for you. Well, yeah, there are plenty of options like the first presidential, direct presidential election is often selected. I'm sure the three of us being the sarcastic guys that we are, we could probably come up with some someone's uh, from a sarcastic perspective. Uh, but but that, that is certainly an option. Uh, and, and then... Uh, the, the other aspect, which which I noted and I think bear, is worth discussing, is because 
we're struggling here and the government is struggling with how to celebrate or note or participate or package it, then the foreigners get misled. And I'll give an example. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Lithuania put something on its Facebook page and in English it said, congratulations to the Taiwanese people. Well, you're congratulating the Taiwanese people for the Wuchang uprising? It just makes no sense. And the words Republic of China didn't appear uh, in their post. And that's one example, but there were others. And then we have all these foreigners coming here who, who uh, you know, like dignitaries, who, who really want to celebrate or, or uh, support Taiwan independence, which is fine. But, but it's a little weird that they're coming here and then sort of participating in events to celebrate ROC National Day. Uh, and then it, it really just becomes an excuse for tourism with these foreign dignitaries, right? Taking them to see other other things like the, the Japanese parliamentarians were, were, were bussed out to the coast so they could look through some binoculars and telescopes at Yonaguni Island and say, ooh, ah, it's so close to Taiwan. So if Yonaguni has, has an issue or Taiwan has an issue, then, uh, you know, t- we're, we're, we're in this together. I mean, it was just a political theater. And Michael, how was your National Day this week? Uh, yeah, I share many of the same um, uh, things that Russ just uh, expressed. So again, Mind Joe saying what he said, he's, he's correct. And it's interesting how uh, they've uh, been able to like twist themselves, uh, the DPP twist themselves into various pretzels. So one thing that I like with the president is that for the past several uh, National Days, she said something like, so today celebrates the 100 blah 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 day since the Republic of China and the 70th blah 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 year since uh, they relocated to Taiwan. That's you know nice and clear and, and and makes sense. But yeah, to have this day such a big deal and of course uh, since I've been here I've been here since I was a kid back in the the late 80s and 90s I mean it was a much bigger deal things stopped and there were um, huge military parades and, and all of that so it's been scaled down and it could be scaled down even more. I don't think we have to get rid of it. Getting rid of it might piss off too many people and also make China angry. But there are, as Ross said, other dates. I'll I'll give you March 23rd, which is the one he mentioned. That would be the first free democratic election in 1996. You got July 15th, which is my favorite, uh, 1987. That's the lifting of martial law. That would be, you know, a a nice day to commemorate the, the moving towards democracy. Then if you want to go historical, May 23rd was the founding of the very short lived Republic of Formosa. So you could celebrate one of those if you wanted to. And um, the idea in general about this like referendum thing, however, that would probably be a red line for China because they would probably feel that you were voting on uh, de facto independence, or at least that's what they would claim. So I don't know how we're going to get out of this uh, ridiculous conundrum that we're in right now, but my suggestion would be to start scaling back the double 10 thing every year, making it smaller and smaller, but not to be disingenuous and put Taiwan National Day, because as much as I support Taiwan, it's not Taiwan's National Day. And really, there's nothing to do with it. And unfortunately, it's not only foreigners, like Ross said, that are being misled. Last year, I was sitting watching the the festivities with a person who should know better, a local uh, woman who's in the same age as me. And I turned and I said, you know, you you do know what they're celebrating, right? And I thought I was just being facetious and funny. And she's like, yeah, it's Taiwan's 110th birthday. I'm like, "You're, you're, you're joking, right? And she, no. And... She just, 
she didn't know. She had so little understanding of history, and it's not her fault. Um, I would argue the education that has been presented during the time that she grew up was, um, you know, very restrictive and uh, all the rest, so I'm not mocking her for it. But I was shocked, and I wondered how many other people in Taiwan are beginning to think of Double Ten as a quote-unquote Taiwan birthday. And uh, Ma is correct to say that that's uh, not right. And the uh, State Building Party, which I believe is based in my city down here, they are also correct. So it would be really nice if we could find a way to begin moving away from this absurdity uh, and find a, a, a thing that works for everyone. And moving on now, and Defence Minister Cho Guo-chung this week said the military will not purchase any more Teslas following comments by Elon Musk last week that the island could be made a special administrative zone of China. Now, speaking during a legislative hearing, Cho told reporters, or lawmakers rather, that the military currently owns seven Tesla Model 3s and 12 other electric vehicles which were acquired from local carmaker LuxGen brands for environmental reasons. And the Defence Minister told lawmakers that the decision to purchase is the Teslas is causing concern and if it does worry people then the Defence Ministry will not purchase any more of them. Now the Defence Minister's comments came after Musk's comments caused some iry feelings here with politicians from across party lines basing him the telling him to go get lost. Now DPP lawmaker Chow Tian Lin called on consumers here in Taiwan and other democratic countries to indefinitely boycott Tesla's products if Musk doesn't change his narrative on Taiwan. KMT legislative caucus whip William Tsung said that his party opposes Musk's suggestion as it's based on considerations of his own financial gains in China and therefore not feasible. New Power Party legislative caucus whip Cho Shenzhou said that China is a dictatorship that had been bullying Taiwan and his party strongly objects to Musk's suggestion, while the Taiwan People's Party basically said that Musk's remarks underscore Taiwan's leverage on the global economy but everyone should respect Taiwan's sovereignty, while independent Taipei mayoral candidate Vivian Huang said people should ignore Musk's irresponsible remarks as while he can say what he wants, we don't necessarily have to care about what he says. So, Ross, did you care about what Elon Musk said or did you really not pay much attention to it or did you pay great attention to it and think it was the most profound comment on or the future of Taiwan? Or did you go out and burn a Tesla? <laughs> well, uh, of course, I, I paid attention to it because I get to go on radio and TV and blabber about it for now what's uh, just about a week because it came out uh, overnight last Friday night, Saturday morning, Taiwan time. Uh, it was an influential person, not only in the world of business anymore, but but obviously in the world of uh, geopolitics, uh, even if people don't want to look at him that way. But uh, uh, you know, the parallel story that's been ongoing in, is his comments about Ukraine and that Ukraine should give up Crimea and agree to a referendum in the areas that Russia is illegal, illegally annexed. And uh, he's, his Starling company is threatening to turn off the, the, the signal unless they get more money from the U.S. government or the Ukraine government. So uh, like it or not, um, you know, he becomes involved in political issues. Uh, to, to be fair to everyone in Taiwan politics, including the, the Guomindang, so we don't just beat up on them today, uh, it, even the Guomindang's stated position for, for decades has been that they oppose 
one country, two systems, special uh, administrative uh, region or zone, as, as uh, uh, Musk called it, uh, models for unification. Uh, and, and obviously, the DPP opposes that. And uh, the, the vast majority of the public in Taiwan opposes that. So uh, obviously, by saying this, Musk reflects uh, you know, he's not very familiar with uh, political views or the public's views. Here in in Taiwan, uh, China had a bit of a, a, a difficult time responding because in the first few hours, their foreign ministry said uh, this is an internal matter, matter, and basically foreigners should shut up and not interfere. Then they kind of thought about it some more and realized that well, it is kind of consistent with our position. So, oh, by the way, we we welcome foreign friends of China who who uh, support the unification of, of of Taiwan and China. Uh, I, I think the issue there for them was uh, uh, they like to have the option. You know, a lot of people here in Taiwan have pointed this out over the past few days. They retain the option to use force. So, to the extent that Musk was saying that. Taiwan should agree to this and it should all be peaceful uh, and that China should not use force, then obviously China disagrees with that. So I guess they wanted Musk to also say that uh, China could still use force if Taiwan doesn't agree to the Musk proposal, which Musk did not say. Uh, but when it comes to using force and something that that you mentioned, uh, Ministry of National Defense, if you're listening to this show, you know, show some moxie, show some guts, okay? The, the only acceptable answer at that legislative hearing when they were asked about this, instead of saying, oh, we bought seven Teslas because we had to comply with the executive UN's uh, uh, environmental protection initiatives. We had to do our part. You know, every, every ministry, government agency has to do their part for their environment, for the, to save the environment. So we bought some electric vehicles. What they should have said is, this weekend, we've invited all the local and, and foreign media to come watch us blow those seven Teslas up. We're taking them to the firing range down in Pingdong uh, or, or elsewhere in Taiwan. Maybe we could put one on a barge offshore. We could let the Navy join in the festivities. We could let the Air Force blow one, bomb one, blow one up too. Let the Army blow one. We could let we could let the Marines come ashore and blow one up on the beach as well. So you know, everyone could have fun with this. Everyone come watch. We're going to blow those Teslas to smithereens. Now, yeah, that might be a bit wasteful and it's not environmentally friendly. But hey, we already did our part by buying the seven Teslas and operating them for a few years. So you know, it, it balances out. We've offset we've offset the waste by from blowing them up by by using them for a few years. So gosh, people, Ministry of National Defense, legislators, show some creativity. Show that you're tough. Don't just, oh we'll we'll keep driving them because uh, you know we're Chag and uh, oh we, we we don't think China's hacking into our Teslas, which may be true, fine. But you just look so silly. You look like patsies, okay? Just 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 really do something creative, like blow them up for using Think them for of the news coverage globally that such a move would have received. I, I know. Well, Minister. Mr. Chu, are you listening to the show? Blow Every them up. Every nation on Earth would have shown images of uh, tanks blowing up Teslas because it's just such a wonderful thing to see. Thank you. You heard it here on Taiwan this week. <laughs> and so, Michael, I mean, do you believe they should blow up the Teslas on that? Send them back or what? Um, I'm, I'm in agreement that... Uh, for, as far as the and governmental cars go, uh, yes, I think uh, there should have been a stronger response. They did mention something about how they had uh, turned off all, all the cameras on the cars. And I also read the other day, I didn't know this, but uh, a whole bunch of speeding cameras across Taiwan have not been in operation over the past year because of uh, 
chips or parts of components that were in them that were made in China, and there were worries about them being uh, spied on as well. So, you know, there could have been a lot more speeding this year. But anyway, um, I was interested to wonder beyond the governmental area whether or not this will become sort of a litmus test for uh, local people who buy Teslas and who are deep green. And I have uh, many of these friends in the South. Uh, so far, I haven't been able to ascertain whether or not it's enough to make them sell their Tesla or um, whatever. But, I mean, if you're going to go back to the origins of, you know, a company or a car or a brand and base your decision based on the, the founder, then, of course, you know, anybody owning anything from Coco Chanel needs to burn that. And uh, Ford was a pretty nasty individual. Mitsubishi made fighter planes, and uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Benz, blah, blah, blah. So uh, difficult to say because this is so much more recent and so much more current. Uh, I wonder what kind of effect they will have on sales in Taiwan, although I doubt uh, Musk cares very much about that because of the market being so small compared to China. And Taiwan reopened its borders to quarantine free arrivals on Thursday of this week and two tour groups from Thailand were the first to arrive here under the new policy. The two tour groups had a total of 45 members and they arrived at Taoyuan International Airport at 16 minutes past midnight, that being 12.16am Thursday. Now Central Epidemic Command Centre Head Victor Wong, Tourism Bureau Director General Zhang Shijong, Taoyuan International Airport Corporation General Manager Fan Xiaolun and Tiger Air Taiwan. Taiwan chairman Chen Hanming all had rather late nights that day as they were at their arrival gates to greet the visitors and they handed out face masks to the arrivals as well as travel pillows sporting an image of the Tourism Bureau's O-Bear mascot. Now, well, one of the arrivals included a well-known Thai YouTuber apparently who creates travel videos and she told waiting reporters that she decided to visit Taiwan for three days because she simply, well, loves Taiwan, including its food and culture. So, Ross, of course, this opened up the borders and, of course, the government Ministry of Transport on Thursday also announced that it hopes to attract 700,000 visitors this year and return visitor numbers to their pre-pandemic levels by 2024. I think there are a couple of flaws in your statement, Gavin. First of all, uh, uh, she was also handed her home test kits, which she was screening for the cameras. Here's my home test kit. I was going to let you say that. <laughs> right, so she wasn't just given the, the, the other goodies, or, or the goodie bag included the, the test kits. It, it, one of the headlines that I saw uh, was a photo of her holding up her home test kit, but, but the headline said, you know, YouTuber says, I love Taiwan food. I, I, I think she should, the headline should have been, uh, YouTuber says, I love Taiwan test kits. Uh, it still isn't a great image uh, you know, from a tourism perspective. You know, you're trying to get 700,000 tourists. It's October uh, 14th. So there's only how many weeks left in the year? 10 weeks left in the year? That, that's, that's a pretty ambitious target uh, given um, it's not rule free. You are still supposed to do the home test, and you're only supposed to go out if you test negative. Uh, then, if you do test positive, you're kind of stuck here in Taiwan. Um, you know, that might not be appealing uh, to to tourists. The other thing is. Uh, uh, 
she's not really a famous YouTuber. <laughs> Actually, her, her number of followers is relatively modest in the universe of, of celebrities. So Tourism Bureau, if you want to bring a, a celebrity, a real well-known YouTuber, whether from Thailand or Korea or Japan or, or elsewhere around the world, uh, you're, you guys are going to have to dig into your pockets and pay a bit more money than a, a relatively unknown Thai YouTuber in her cosplay you know, dress when she got off the plane with, with these guys. It was like they just wanted to meet some Thai woman dressed up in cosplay. I mean, it was just, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, you know, that that they're they're running to the airport. Yeah, if anything, instead of welcoming the foreigners, and I say this as a foreigner who lives in Taiwan, they should have been welcoming uh, local citizens or residents uh, who now don't have to quarantine either. You know, they, we have to keep in mind, although. You, the focus here is on on the tourists and could we bring in 700,000 tourists the 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 change that came into effect is is actually for the benefit of of us like i said you know citizens and, and residents who live here uh is really going to facilitate our travel outbound and inbound I mean, it's easier to come back in we're more likely to go back out uh so this is more about us, uh, they should have been welcoming the, the local folks, not not necessarily the foreigners. So, Michael, obviously Ross didn't take much of a likeness to the poor Thai woman that came here and waved <laughs> her test kit around. But I mean, like, I mean, do you agree with Ross? Seven hundred thousand visitors by the end of the year is a bit of a push. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's nice to have ambitious goals, but uh, that probably won't be reached. It um, the, the the comment that I wanted to make on this was the reaction that I've gotten from people down here in the South, and this includes ages from uh, junior high school all the way up to an 84-year-old uh, uh, man who I'm a friend with, and they all have concerns that this is too early, and they've been telling me that you know no we're we've, we're not the, the numbers every and the, they have a point on the numbers so we get a good day every now and then when it's like 30 something but for the most part it's been in the 40s or dipping into the 50s so it leads some people to think that uh, the, the, the epidemic is not actually over yet, which it isn't. But uh, I'm of the opinion, and I think many other people are also of the opinion, that it's about time and we can't really do much more than what, what we're doing, offering testing. And it's a program that has been adopted by everywhere from the U.S. to tens of other Asian nations. So um, I, I don't know if Ross has been hearing similar concerns, but um, I think... Think it's uh, it's about time. Do you think, Michael, that the government should possibly stop giving a number every day, like most of the rest of the world has done now? That's an interesting idea that would uh, uh, definitely allay some fears from some people. I would support that, but I'm not sure how many uh, local people would. That's uh, definitely a, uh, an idea that could help, perhaps uh, calm some nerves. I, I don't think it would calm nerves. Uh, the public has become used to receiving this data. Uh, it, it is transparent. Uh, I, I think that's that's good. And, and anyway, just for political reasons, if 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 the government suddenly stopped doing that, then there's there's the, everyone on the other side, uh, anyone who's not from the DPP, you know, it could be from the Kuomintang or, or the New Power Party and everyone else in between, as well as other uh, commentators. Uh, medical professionals who 
uh, are often in the media criticizing various aspects of, of pandemic policy. Maybe some of their criticisms are legitimate. Some just seem to be the, because they don't like the government, they'll criticize what it does. Uh, but the, the conspiracy theories and the accusations that, that something is, is uh, being uh, kept from public view, uh, it, I think it's not worth the hassle. I mean, if I was uh, giving my opinion to the government, I, I would say... And the numbers yes. are, for the most part, pretty meaningless because we have no idea how many people are actually uh, infected. This is just the, the ones that are caught, right? So well, they're not. They're, you know, caught. You make it sound like they're going around with the big, <laughs> you know, the big dog catcher net grabbing humans. <laughs> Fortunately, we moved on from that. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, fair enough, right? These are the people who who self-report into the system, or uh, because they they had symptoms at home, and they, they do go uh, to to their local doctor's office or to a hospital, so it does get plugged into the system. So yes, of course, it doesn't it doesn't capture everyone. But but again. Uh, we should be fair to the pandemic officials. And one thing I've noticed in their daily press conferences in, in recent weeks, when they say the numbers are plateauing or, or they say that today, today, Friday versus last Friday was up or down a few percentage points, or they say that the, you know, there is a BA5 wave and it was... It, you know, we, we were reporting, for example, 50,000 cases today, but it might be 60,000 by next week because we're still in this plateau period and, and we don't see it going down yet. In fact, it might go up. So to be fair to the to the team, um, I, I think they do endeavor to be transparent and honest with the data that they have and, and prepare the public for possible uh, increases. For example, uh, a few days ago, they said there, there was a tech problem and the number they were reporting was 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 relatively low versus the previous day or the same day in the previous week. And they expected that the next day it was going to have a big jump because additional cases were going to be caught, uh, to use Michael's word, um, that that hadn't been included the previous day due, a, due to a, a problem with this, the reporting system for a few hours. And, and that's what happened there. The following day, the cases were up and they said part of this was, was the data that w- was lost the day before. Uh, so, uh, And also, they, they do provide the very detailed uh, information about vaccinations, how many people have gotten their third or the other, the additional boosters. They encourage people to get boosters. Uh, I, I've seen some, some commentary online, um, uh, maybe my friend is listening because I've had some conversation with him online about this, uh, about the purpose of being vaccinated. And again, I think to be fair to the officials, they emphasize that it it doesn't prevent you, you it doesn't stop the possibility that you become infected, but or doesn't stop you from passing it on to other people. But it it does reduce the severity of of COVID if you do get COVID and you have had your vaccinations. Uh, So they emphasize that and they emphasize that if you're not vaccinated and you get COVID, it might be more serious. And then that puts a strain on medical resources. So uh, I, I think they're doing a good job with the information that they provide, and uh, I, I don't see a reason to stop it at this point. And we have to take a short break now, but we will return after these rather important commercials. Welcome back to Taiwan this week and in local election news. Well, in Taipei this week, KMT mayoral candidate Jung Wen An came under a barrage of criticism 
from his opponents and various other people after suggesting that free bus rides could be offered to residents who performed 20 squats. Now, Zheng made the proposal at a climate policy forum, which was also attended by the DPP's Chen Shijong and independent Taipei mayor candidate Vivian Huang. And while touting his plans for a smart net zero lifestyle, Zheng said the city could design a mechanism for people to perform the 20 squats to earn a free bus ride and it may encourage more people to take public transport in order to reduce carbon emissions. Now the idea was apparently drawn from a promotion in Romania to raise public health awareness but the DPP jumped up and said hey that's a rather unattractive and impractical idea in Taipei because they said um, exercising in a bus stop would be rather unhealthy as you're standing next to all the traffic spewing its muck everywhere. So, Ross, I mean, good suggestion, bad suggestion, maybe b- a badly worded suggestion. I, I, I don't think uh, Jiang Wanan ever meant that there should be uh, the machine at every single bus stop. Maybe that's that's cost prohibitive. And to be fair to him, he, he didn't say that. And uh, yeah, he wasn't suggesting that uh, what, this model that you mentioned, the, the way it occurred in Romania is they had a couple of machines in some central locations. So uh, if as a, as a matter of, of uh, uh, hilarity even, uh, were to encourage people to do 20 squats, you had one machine in in, in the Taipei train station. And a novelty, a, yeah. Yeah, a couple of the other big bus stations. Uh, uh, you know, it's the, the government wastes money in, in myriad ways, so I guess this would just be one small way to, to waste uh, uh, money, but the way it came out of his mouth and, and the way it got reported in the media, it just uh, gave an opening to to be uh, ridiculed, and, and it also, uh, I thought, ignored the reality that uh, a lot of people with squatting capability, so uh, people who are sporty, uh, whether they're uh, teenagers, university students. Uh, people in their 20s to 50s who uh, uh, do sports, very active people, they also go to work every day. And these people, many of these kinds of people also buy the, the, the all pass. So they already have a ticket that, that that's you know all you could eat to, to travel on, on the bus uh, or the MRT anyway. So they wouldn't need the, the free squatting ticket. Uh, so they, they didn't think that, <laughs> that part uh, through at all. But, you know, if, if they do buy this machine, um, they can invite a whole bunch of Romanians to come over and we could have some city diplomacy and it'll just be like the, the Thai lady getting off the plane, right? We go through one of those silly exercises of slobbering all over some visiting foreigners. But, of course, Michael... The DPP did point out that it would be discriminatory against those unable to perform the squat due to disabilities or age, when you could probably do with a free bus ride. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point. And uh, here in Kaohsiung, I don't know how well it would go over, as the, the biggest squat we do is when we squat to get on our scooters. We need to find ways of uh, getting people to use public transport that are a lot more attractive than that. Uh, It's not going to work at all in a city here, for example. Even as a novelty, it would be fun, for example, at the main train station or whatever, but um, there needs to be some serious proposals in many cities. Taipei probably is the the one city where you've got a good, decent number of people who use public transportation just because you can't even find a place to park your scooter, but the rest of the island is not Taipei, and we need uh, good uh, ideas. And the DPP's comment is is correct in in that regard. Um, as far as Dawan goes, this is, again, though, another thing where he seems well-intentioned, but then comes across as less than a strong leader. 
and the ideas come across as either weak or not well thought out. So perhaps he needs to get with his team a little bit better uh, before he, he makes such proclamations and uh, think these things through a little bit, because he, he stands the, the possibility of be, starting to be seen as a bit of a buffoon in the way that Hang Yu down here did when he was like climbing trees and doing weird exercises on television. And talking of Hang Yu, he popped off to Kaohsiung this week as well. Yeah, he actually came here for a rally to support the daughter of the former Kaohsiung City Speaker, who uh, very sadly committed suicide. And uh, she's running now for a seat in the in the city council, so he came down to campaign for her. But on stage while he was speaking, the uh, KMT candidate for Kaohsiung Mayor, Ke Zun, she was also there, and he had to bring up his love Ferris wheel idea once again, which got claps from the hardcore blue people that were in the audience there, but uh, was, of course, once again ridiculed by many others in Kaohsiung. So Ke, uh, the candidate who's running for mayor in Kaohsiung, she says that she is not running away from Han and that she will call on him if she uh, decides to, but she hasn't put a date on that yet, and the election is coming very uh, closely. When Han was asked if he was here to uh, be a part of her campaign, he was like, no, no, I'm here for a banquet, and I'm here to support the, the former speaker's daughter. And da, da. So Kuh said very clearly to the press, uh, and I got to interview her, actually. We're going to put that on ICRT uh, not, not long from now. But she uh, told the press that, um, very frankly, she said, there are some people in Kaohsiung who like uh, former Mayor Han, but there are also a lot of people who dislike him. So each KMT candidate running for whatever office in the city will have to make their own decision as to whether or not they want him to be a part of the, his, the campaign, whether they want him standing on stage with them. And she said for herself, she will decide based on a case-by-case basis, and uh, she'll let us know. So uh, it was a mixed reaction. He hasn't come down all that much since his ouster, and uh, this, I think, was one of the first times that he was actually on a campaign stage making uh, his uh, all-too-familiar love Ferris wheel comments. So, Ross, I mean, a, a KMT candidate standing on stage with Hang Yu in Kaohsiung, Ross. A good idea, a bad idea? Well, keeping in mind the, the, the nature of city or county uh, council elections, you know, a multi, it's a multi-member constituency, the number of seats in each constituency varies, uh, but but the 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 barrier to break to get elected is is not particularly high. So, if a candidate in a certain district uh, uh, feels that there there's a, a constituency, there are a group of voters who still like Han a lot, and it's going to get you across the line, then, then it's a no brainer to do. I, I, you're just trying to get maybe. Eight, ten, twelve thousand votes in, in one of these constituencies. Uh, in some cases, even less. Uh, you know, you're, you're not trying to get the vote. If you're a Guomindang City Council candidate in Kaohsiung, you're not talking to people who vote for the the, the DPP, right? You're, you're you're trying to make sure that uh, the Guomindang, uh, someone who's inclined to vote for the Guomindang, is going to vote for you and not the other three or four Guomindang candidates that that are also running in that constituency. So it is a bit of a uh, you know, 
in the absence of a very good voter education for how to divide up their votes, and that's something that the Guomindang used to be good at, uh, but with such weak leadership at party headquarters, uh, whether in the city, in Kaohsiung, or or any other municipality, or here in Taipei at at the national headquarters, uh, a Guomindang voter uh, doesn't really receive good education about uh, well, you need to vote for this person because uh, they need the votes and the other person doesn't need the votes in your constituency. Uh, so, again, if, if uh, in this, you know, this jungle match, right, this cage match where you're, you're going up against your own party just as much as you're going up against the other party, uh, if you think that, that Han Guoyu is going to get you a thousand more votes, then, then it's a no-brainer. Of course, you ask him to come on stage with you. But even the candidate herself, a former uh, legislator and professor, Kudzan, who's running for mayor, she told me that uh, uh, she said she's not going to run away from the Han legacy, and she specifically pointed out that when Han was mayor, the population of the city was two point, you know, seven da 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 da, and that after his ouster, it continued to fall. And her argument was that the rosy picture that is being presented by the uh, Chen administration currently in Kaohsiung is not as rosy as it is, and. Uh, so even uh, she is uh, not exactly running away from a person who, uh, to many people, was uh, disgraced. So he, he may have undergone a, a bit of a rehabilitation in the eyes of at least a, a segment of, of Kaohsiung society. And before we go this week, the Taipei city government enacted regulations on Wednesday aimed at ensuring that public restrooms in the capital are safe, hygienic and user-friendly. Now, the move means the city is the first here in Taiwan to have enacted such regulations. Now, according to the Taipei Department of Environmental Protection, the regulations apply to restrooms located in 13 types of public or private areas. And agencies responsible for those areas are also responsible for the restrooms. And they are now required to keep the toilets clean and functional, provide basic supplies including tissue paper, toilet seat disinfection wipes, soap hangers or dispensers and an alarm system for use in emergencies. So Michael, obviously in Kaohsiung you don't have this yet, but I mean a good idea, bad idea. Well, it's a good idea, and I do think, uh, from what I've heard so far from uh, Kaohsiung people, is that they will also be enacting a similar uh, rule. But um, the the main thing that people have been uh, questioning is costs and whether or not this should be borne entirely by these uh, uh, places you just discussed, be they MRT stations or restaurants or gas stations or whatever. And some people have said, well, couldn't people pay a nominal fee? I mean, in many other uh, countries, I remember when I was in France, just to use like a public uh, urinal thing, you had to put a small amount of money in, but they were kept clean and they had everything that you needed in them. So some people have suggested, uh, you know, anything as low as 5 NT or even 1 NT or 10 NT or whatever could be a, a way of, of helping defray the cost for these people. So, Ross, do you think people should, the city governments and all these organisations, these places should be paying to clean the toilets, or should the public be paying to use the commode? Uh, that's probably not going to work either. Uh, you couldn't charge enough to, to really... Uh, recover the costs of a proper cleaning, not not the cleaning that seems to occur, which uh, isn't really up to a, it's not up to the fine gold standard. Uh, the, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not five-star cleaning. Um, so so you, you wind up charging, you know, what are you going to charge? 10 NT, you know, some nominal fee. Again, it's not going to co- cover the cost, and people would, would complain about that as well. Uh, obviously, this is in part a response to 
DPP mayor candidate uh, Chun Shu Jong's toilet uh, proposal. Uh, you know, he he proposed putting in bidets in, in in public toilets, and then you know similar to Jiang Wan on squat. Uh, it, just to be clear, Jiang Wan on squatting proposal <laughs> had nothing to do with squat toilets. Okay, don't 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 anyone in the audience misunderstand. Uh, yeah, but, although the interesting thing there is that he didn't learn from from the 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 Chun Shu Jong bathroom or toilet suggestion. Uh, so uh, it, it could be that the city government wanted to show that it's doing its part for toilets as well. Uh, so it, I mean, they would deny that this was in response to Chun Shu Jong, but, uh, but you know, politics is politics. So you know, it might have been a way just for them to show that they also cared about uh, and former deputy mayor uh, uh, Huang Shanshan, uh, who's running for mayor, you know, may, may just been a way to help her out with her own bathroom cleanliness proposal. But we, we do seem to have a weird relationship with public restrooms and, and uh, uh, very often uh, you know, a lot of money is spent on somewhat nonsensical things. Uh, people may have noticed that a lot of the public restrooms in, in Taipei have this kind of hard to decipher electronic, uh, looks like a scoreboard or you know, it's got little light bulbs, which are supposed to symbolize which stall, uh, how many stalls are, are occupied or, or available, which could actually just be achieved by seeing whether or not there's a queue. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'd like to speak up for women and say that the, one of the biggest problems we have is that there's not an even... Uh, so every time you have a concert or any sort of event, there's a queue stretching for kilometers outside the women's restroom, and the men uh, one is uh, relatively empty. It would be perhaps a great idea to change that and put money into that. But cleaning up the restrooms would uh, help bring in those uh, 700,000 tourists at least a little bit. But they're gonna, not going to be clean enough for Ross's bottom. No. no. Anyway, that's where we'll leave it here on Taiwan This Week This Week. And I've been joined in the studio today by Ross Feingold. Have a great weekend. And from Kaohsiung by Michael Smith. Thanks for having me. And thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcasts on your favourite podcast app where you can get access to all our previous shows. Tune in again next Friday evening at 9 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.